Welcome to this new episode of uh, Wolfcast. This is our first episode of 2024. And in this episode, I welcome Alex. Uh, hello, Alex. Hey, how's it going, Rodrigo? Yeah, everything nice. A little bit of stormy here in Portugal, but uh, good. Cannot complain. Not very... Kind of warm. Warm winter. It's not good for the for the farming, but, well, is what we, we have. What about yeah. you in Italy? Yeah, no, it's about the same. Yesterday was 16 degrees and tomorrow is forecasting minus two because we also have a big rainstorm coming in this afternoon and we get a lot of uh, variation. I say that the seasons have become fractals. There's like the large macro seasons, but then winter itself has its own like summer winter and winter winter and it changes. <laughs> well, well, in the entire perspective, it's true. And um, Alex, tell me a little bit about you. Um, are you originated from Italy? Um, tell me a little bit about your history. No, I have absolutely nothing to do with Italy. Um, in fact, I kind of wound up here by accident. Um, in fact, Wolf had a great, a great play in that. Um, but I'm actually Canadian. I come from Southern Ontario, the greater Toronto area. And if anybody from that area knows, it's the most populated part of Canada and it's um, the most suburban part of the entire country. And if there are any agricultural activities, they're usually quite heavily industrialized. Um, though of course there's wolf, wolf opportunities and small ones, but I come like typical suburban boy, you know, those streets with all the houses that look the same that you see like in America and everybody with those big giant cars consuming like mountains of gasoline just to get to work in the supermarket. I come from that setting there. Um, but you can see, obviously, that uh, probably since I was like a teenager, I just didn't feel I didn't feel something right with that kind of uh, lifestyle. With uh, Canadians are one of the highest, you know, energy consumers on the planet per capita, and there's something about it that I don't know always sat wrong with me. And as a teen, you know, I was always reading books like Into the Wild, and I was really into Jack Kerouac on the road, and into you know, like Thoreau's self-reliance and stuff like that. And I essentially, when I was in uh, university, I was studying um, whatever I want to study, philosophy and literature. But then uh, during the summertime, I found a couple times some jobs picking fruit and working on farms that way because I had this urge to, you know, kind of do that Jack Kerouac thing. And I used to hitchhike around the country and, you know, hang with all those fruit punks, they call it in those picking scenes and work on those mega monocultural cherry operations. Um, and while I was there, you know, I would always meet people because a lot of people live those kind of harvests as their life. And people told me in a lot of the down season, when they don't have much um, picking work to do, they would usually find a wolf host and settle down for the winter, stuff like that, sometimes repetitive. And okay. so... This was your the first time you heard about wolf? Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, yeah, that's what I kind of, I tried it out a few times, well, first in Canada. I remember, in fact, this was a while ago. This is when Woof was a magazine. And I subscribed to Woof and they sent me a catalog in the mail. 
Ah, yeah, so beautiful, this little book. Huh? Yes, very oh, nice, very nice. I don't know where it is. I think I gave it to a friend to be like, here, you do it, you know. Um, but that would be a nice little keepsake to have now. But uh, yeah, start there. And eventually, kind of, uh, you know, when I had, it was a moment in my life where I was finishing a work contract, finishing my studies, also finishing a personal relationship. I, uh, you know, ha had this opportunity and I decided to buy a plane ticket to Europe. And while I was going around there, I um, uh, did a couple odd jobs, you know, that you find for university students, usually like English summer camps, that stuff until and then when I, all that stuff was finished and mostly as an alternative to being broke <laughs> i did some long-term wolfing and by luck and lady fortune herself i wound up in a beautiful place with wonderful hosts um which isn't always the case you know um this, and um, already in italy alex yes this was in italy and okay. with these uh people eventually i i stayed there and while here i had uh while here, I um, uh, you know, went to some of the local festivals they have around, medieval festivals, you know, Italy is all kind of like that. And I met uh, met my partner, and now we live here. We have a baby, and I have my own farm, and I host my own woofers now, because that was about 10 years ago. Wow. Beautiful. I really love this connection. How, uh, for, for me personally, one of my big motivations to work for Woof is that uh, by being a woofer, it's really the perfect opportunity to begin your networking inside the farming alternative culture and uh, and to change your life. And I think it's a little bit that uh, was kind of a tool for you to, to find your way, isn't that? Yeah, I think absolutely. I think it's fundamental. I remember, I remember, especially when I was more young and idyllic, also like really enjoying this idea of this kind of, I say, not revolution, but more this kind of like silent, just like opting out and just having other alternatives for people. In fact, I remember meeting this one boy when I used to hitchhike around Canada and be a bit of a bum myself. I was um, forced to take a bus back from Winnipeg to Toronto. And if anybody knows the size of Canada, it's a three day long bus ride. I was sat down next on this three day long bus ride to this boy who um, had problems with addiction and had been recently kicked out of his rehabilitation center because he smoked cigarettes. And he told me he was moving to Toronto um, to find a homeless shelter and essentially be homeless on the street, but having maybe access to a shelter during the cold and some time. And I sat to next to this boy for three days. He was no longer an addict. He just still smoked cigarettes and that's why they kicked him out. And, um, you know, he was essentially choosing what he saw as the only option, which would, would turn him into destitute homelessness because I've lived in Toronto. I've seen what happens there. There's not that much space for these people. And so I showed him and talked to him for, during those days about woof. And I told him, you know, if you're, he's young, you know, if you're young, not, I mean, you don't have to be young actually, sorry. But if you have an enthusiasm to be outside, interest in like being active, putting your manual hands towards something and learning this stuff, you have alternatives in your life than being homeless in the streets of Toronto. And he said he was going to try it out. I never saw or heard from him again, of course, it was just a bus ride, but I like to think that he also found an alternative there and that perhaps this was also a life changer. Yeah, just the fact that you, you can get out of the cities is by itself a way healthier environment. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. 
Google or like then and where where's your where's your which area of Italy are you hosting at this moment? Are I'm in the uh well I guess the southerners call it the north, the northerners call it the south. <laughs> I would say it's the central Italy on the Adriatic coast. So um I'm north of the largest city would be Ancona. Uh I'm south of the largest city Rimini where boats go across over to Croatia and Greece. And so I'm kind of in that area. And in fact, most of my uh wolf guests are often people who are traveling down to catch boats going across to Greece or on their way back up from a sort of tour like this. And so we're by the seaside, but just enough inside the hills to avoid all of that sort of beach resort, um, uh, hotels, that kind of stuff that exists in Italy. Mm -hmm. And then um, can you tell me a little bit about your your actual woofers at this moment? Are, are they mostly Italian or foreigners? I know I've had a good mixture. Everybody's been European for the most part. Um, I've had people come down. Well, it's been a bit interesting because this is our first year hosting Woofers. And so I've learned a lot about as a host as well, too. We've had um, quite some great times with a lot of guests. Um, but now in the winter, it's a little bit more tough because uh, also I work a small little part-time job to help pay for some of this stuff. Eventually, you know, plan is just to farm full-time, but, uh, you know, hosting people while I also have like uh, other work three days a week. So I'm hosting people right now, but uh, no, we've had some people come. We've had quite a various type. There's some people who want to kind of just travel and they like being nearby the seaside and that's totally fine. So they come with the most interest to kind of also be into, you know, go take a walk on the beach and through the forest and stuff afterwards, which I'm always happy to help out there. Um, but then we've also had quite a few other woofers who are very serious about studying and trying to uh, open up their own small little business. And since I'm in my second year of running my own small organic vegetable um, market garden, um, I've had a lot of people who are interested in learning from that. So I've set up my own little woof library and I have some of these woofers who come here and I put a big stack of books in front of them the first day with all the important chapters sort of like dog-tailed and I say, here, read this, read that. <laughs> There's but no, it's been good. Yeah, because as soon as we start talking about agriculture, I can go on. Yeah, I guess uh, you 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 sneak uh, <laughs> you sneak on the road and into the wild between the the literature or not? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how these books have influenced us all. Uh, yes. And uh, Alex, what about? Would you like to share some uh, interesting story with us? With uh, being a woofer or being a host? Uh, any anything you any highlights? Yeah, I mean, well, honestly, there's probably too many highlights <laughs> because I mean, one of the major important, one of the biggest things for me was always this kind of like, I don't know, I guess like, I was thinking about this the other day because I'm currently at this point where I have to give a name to my farm, right? Uh, well, I don't have to, but a business kind of needs a bit of a name. If you don't have a name, people don't know what to point at or call you. So I came up with the Italian word finally, il passo. Il passo is the badger. And so that's what I'm calling our farm now. But this comes from a bit of a history as in my own life and experiences because I kind of like this animal representation and symbolism. Now, in the past, when I, again, I told you, try to be sort of a Jack Kerouac emulator, hitchhiking stuff around, I ended up living in the north of Canada. And there's some awesome great hosts up there in the Yukon, if anybody's ever looking to get really into the wild. 
Um, but I remember being afraid. I remember being very afraid um, up in the north um, uh, in some of these really isolated parts. And this whole sort of stories of animal symbolism was really important in my own sort of psyche of going through it, where I was, um, somebody was teaching me and talking about bears, even though I come from Canada, right? I come from a really developed area, suburban. And I found that sort of thinking about studying and learning from the bear was really an important element in my own personality at that time, because he represents so much strength and fortitude. And I remember with my girlfriend at the time, we were, uh, after this event when I was living in the north, uh, we went down south to the sort of Ottawa River Valley in Canada and we were working on a wolf farm there. And I'd worked on several farms across Canada, kind of always the whole into winter. This is the first time my partner was with me and she found it quite heavy because some things that concerned her a bit, she, and I was all like gung-ho, like, yeah, 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 I'll change a horse's shoe. I've never done before. Sure, how do we cut a horse nail? You know, those kind of like intense jobs where you're holding a big, large beast. Um, and I remember her breaking down and crying a little bit. But uh, uh, at the same time, this was a moment that was really significant and important for her and for me. And we sort of focused on this sort of like emphasis on the bear of this fortitude of the symbolism of gentle strength and this like kind of, you know, how can I say? This is what I've always loved about being out in the country and being on farms is you need strength and fortitude, but in a gentle way, right? It's not some kind of like aggressive, violent sense of like strength and force that people always kind of associate with this kind of like, you know, um, uh, militaristic, uh, uh, patriarchal kind of like, strong strength, you know, uh, survival of the fittest, not that kind of stuff. It's like the opposite side of strength, right? And I found, you know, literally going around thinking to myself, I'm a bear, I'm a bear. And these wolf farms gave me a lot of personal fortitude that I've carried with me through my life. Um, and then a similar thing happened then in the future because then I started woofing alone again. And it wasn't that I was missing strength and courage and stuff like that, but I had, um, I was quite alone for several days in my tents, checking around until I got to a farm and I had one wolf host. It was out Western Canada in British Columbia by the like Okanagan Valley region. And you know, they kind of did their own thing, which was totally fair, so like that, but I wasn't woofing with anybody else. I was totally alone. And so I kind of felt the loneliness of, you know, a life on the road catching up with me and stuff like that. And then I went down to the beach one day and I found this person who had these like cards that represent like the spiritual animals and you know, this kind of stuff. And uh, she had me draw one and I drew this one called the wolf. And the wolf, um, it then gave a description of, you know, for um, some of the Blackfoot and uh, First Nations people that live in that region, what the wolf symbolizes, what we can learn from him. And it was about, the wolf is a lone creature, right? He's the lone wolf. But he also belongs to a pack. He's a member of the pack. And the wolf always goes off and asserts his loneliness, his individuality, in order to bring back something very rich for the rest of the wolf pack. And there was this beautiful line, very poetic, I remember it said, perhaps the wolf's braying at the moon is him trying to tap into the ideas below popular consciousness. And that really stuck with me, reverberated with me. And I started identifying as a lone wolf for many years, but always with this idea of trying to, you know, push beyond, get further, see new things. And wolf was one of those things that I saw. I was like, hey, look, there's other ways to live. You know, I, after that period in my life, I came over to Europe and I remember meeting a few people. I met this one guy who lived only with woofing. He had 
no money to his name. He did nothing else. His teeth were pretty bad. But other than that, he was quite happy. He spent all the summers going up to Norway on his little foot-powered scooter. And he spent all the winter going down south to Puglia in Italy to pass with the warmth there. And he lived as this. And I totally saw it as a way of life beyond levels of popular consciousness. And so for me, you know, I was always gung-ho to try and explain, help uh, spread wolf to everybody I know and just show that there is like another sort of out there way to exist. It's not all about, you know, the grind, because I know many of my friends who remain in Canada with all the high prices of mortgages and costs and stuff like that, you know, they uh, work just to survive and they work, you know, survive within that economic monetary system and it becomes such a different kind of stress it's so heavy right and so i always kind of identified that a little bit as some uh this wolf uh you know this uh wolf and that sort of inspired my loneliness to become a, another superpower of my own that helped me uh uh in many ways and now i think i've gone through another transition becoming a host becoming my own farmer myself after this sort of voyage about over 10 years, is it 15 years now? Um, uh, to the badger. <laughs> How do you go from a bear to a wolf to a badger? <laughs> well, you see, the badger is actually nice. associated with persistence, with determination, and with courage. And the badger has this burrowing behavior. He digs into the ground, and this behavior symbolizes digging deep into oneself, digging deep into different situations, and representing the ability to confront challenges, right? In a spiritual context, the badger, he's seen as sort of navigating the subconscious in these spiritual realms and emphasizing the tenacity and resilience to look within. And I think that that's um, the important part for me too, because um, having and holding uh, a farm is totally different to being with her. <laughs> it's, a lot, it's a lot more work, right? Yeah, yeah. Actually, Actually, I think I, I mentioned this in another episode, but it's, uh, it's a thesis about uh, woofing and the uh, farming experience. And that's, and she concludes on the thesis that uh, woof, uh, despite woofing being amazing, is not a real farming experience because you are taking all the, res you don't have all the responsibilities over you that a yeah, farmer has. No. Absolutely. But, well, it's a nice, it's yeah, a nice in fact, approach. <laughs> in fact, one of the things, I mean, woofing was absolutely crucial towards my education as a farmer and to be able to ready to take on a property myself because I had a realistic idea, at least of the amount of, you know, cleaning that I need to do just to keep the weeds from not taking over my house. Um, so I had, I had a really realistic picture of the level of work that would be necessary and that helped me a lot in my transition. Um, but also, I gotta say, out of 90% of the wolf farms I visited, what I learned mostly was what not to do, right? Like, uh, I've seen, uh, you know, I've been to wolf farms that specialize in in uh, uh, permaculture and they talk about composting on site, which means that they just throw all their garbage like in their garden beds and other animals come and eat it. For example, because I also, you know, did the permaculture courses and also was quite interested in that in quite, uh, for quite a few years. But then when I actually started going around and seeing these farms that sort of espouse these ideas, I started to see reasons where it was kind of weak in regards to my goals, which is to produce food. Um, uh, and uh, but I still like the ecology of it of a great deal, and it's very informative. And then on some uh, other farms, I remember going 
And, um, uh, you know, they had instead invested all their money in like show horses and these kind of things. And so I just kind of saw many different enterprises that other people had uh, uh, done as farmers. And it made me really clear that my favorite job out of all of this stuff is market gardening. Um, because even owning animals is really beautiful. I love waking up and milking a goat directly into my cappuccino. <laughs> but uh, uh, having animals like goats means you can't go away from your house even for the night. If I come home late at night, I want to. Exactly, right? It's 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 totally different uh, uh, locking you to your land and real responsibility. Plus a goat. If a goat is hungry, he will always find a way to escape your fence. <laughs> On your garden, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> By the way, in your garden, it's typical. Uh, yeah. Alex, and uh, with all your experience as a woofer and as uh, and your short experience as a host, do you have any recommendation for woofers that wants the uh, they're searching for a host or they're beginning to plan their planning? Yeah, it's really tough. In fact, I've had a few woofers who've come to me and they just came to me from hosts that they didn't really have a great rapport with. I just had one woofer who came and stayed with us for a couple months actually. And she's gone off now more south to some other farms. And when I've been, uh, we've been uh, having some phone chats back and forth and uh, uh, she was explaining some of the situations. And I think The important thing is because sometimes I feel like some of the wolf farms I found was just luck, but sometimes you do wind up with a poor match of host. But the important thing is to not, not to avoid it because it's not that it's a poor match, it just depends about, I'd say, a, a lack of communication. And so what I always recommend to everybody, especially young folk, because um, I also sometimes talk with young people talking about alternatives after high school and I always tell them woof. <laughs> um, but one thing that's tough for, you, um, for young people is maybe to like be self-assertive and communicate these kind of things and these boundaries. And so my biggest recommendation is to always be really clear and be really assertive. If you are at a place and the um, hosts are perhaps trying to get a little bit more work out of you in some kind of job as if you're kind of like a free employee for them, I would suggest you to try and talk to them. Even if a confrontation is something that's, you know, a little bit uncomfortable, you don't want to do, then try to find ways that you can do it in your own comfortable way, which could be like, maybe when you go down in the evening to sleep, you can write them uh, messages or letters through text, because sometimes that's a little more comfortable than having to do a face-to-face -face confrontation, right? And so I recommend always to try and communicate because I guarantee you, there's nobody wants to do bad to anybody else, right? But perhaps some people who've lived on a farm with lots of animals and plants and all this stuff for a long time, they have a totally different idea and expectation of what counts as really heavy labor, right? And uh, so it's really important to match and line up um ideas and expectations because i know myself coming from a suburban urban background as a young teen if somebody said to me all right you got to pat we we're gonna pass the whole day here now shoveling this mountain of uh horse dung uh 
you could see that being, I mean, I was all gung-ho about it. I was like, yeah, let's do this. But you could see, obviously, that being beyond some people's comfort limits and stuff like that. And you don't want that to be a shock to you when you go to a Wolf host. And you don't want that to be a shock to the host either. Because uh, that can just be a, a reason to have some kind of uh, tension between the two of you. And I'm all about honesty and good communication will resolve all the issues. And so it's really important to try and uh, to do that the good message honest and good communication <laughs> yes so i try to live my life <laughs> i'm afraid we are running out of time and um, yeah thank you so much for for being with us on this on these new episodes and uh, i'm sure we could uh, we should meet one day to talk personally when i go to italy it'd be pleasant to visit you if you come to Portugal, absolutely welcome and uh, Absolutely. uh yeah thank you for sharing all your years of experience and uh see you one day Alex. No, i'm glad to i uh, hope i wasn't being too metaphorical about my metaphorical journey and not about the actual practicality of how i wound it up with a no beautiful beautiful everybody is different all the hosts are different all the woofers are different <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely thank you alex see you all right yeah have a good day bye rodrigo thanks bye Wolfcast.